The following presentation has been prepared by the Video Tax News team for Canadian tax and financial professionals. Program recorded May 23rd, 2019. Enjoy! Welcome to the June edition of Life in the Tax Lane. Wow, I don't know where May went, but Father's Day is fast approaching. Holy moly. You're welcome for the reminder. I gotta say, I'm very excited about the mosquitoes again, aren't you, Caitlin? By the way, if you look carefully, Katie's already got a few bites in her Mm, arms. Life is fantastic. (laughs) We're gonna talk about tax right now just to get ourselves in a better uh, mood. So we're gonna start off actually with zero emission vehicle purchases. So we know from the federal budget uh, that this new incentive was going to come out. So how does it work? Well, you could get up to $5,000 for the purchase of certain vehicles. So it's got to be the right type of vehicle. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's got to be essentially a plug-in hybrid or a fully electric vehicle. Those are the two most common type uh, that go long distances. Mm -hmm. Those ones will get the full amount. The shorter ones, the smaller ones will get just a half rebate. Uh, So that will be $2,500. So we got to take a look at the cost as well. For six seats or less, we're looking at a manufacturer's retail sale price of $45,000 or less. If it's got more than that, seven or more, you get up to $55,000 that you can pay. And by the way, if you up your trim, that will also be covered as well. So if you just go over that threshold by a bit, you're still going to be covered. And if you get fancy paint on it or whatever, you'll still be okay there too. So I don't know, Katie Hugh, any thoughts on this thus far? Well, when I'm looking at that, I'm thinking, you know, what is a manufacturer-suggested retail price? So, Hugh, where can we get that from? Well, fortunately, Transport Canada has put online all the vehicles they currently believe qualify. Mm -hmm. So we can check it out there before we go vehicle shopping. And, uh, you know, since that 5,000 rebate's not coming out of your pocket, Mr. Dealer. That's, well, that's the other point there. Where do you get it? When you go to the when you go to the store to buy it, you actually get the rebate at mm-hmm. the time of purchase, and a form will have to be sent in to the mm-hmm. government actually from the dealership. So it's it's fairly yeah. quick. And this is also available for leased vehicles. The full incentive uh, was would be available for leases 48 months or longer. If your lease is shorter than that, the incentive would be prorated. So you can at least something even for a one-year lease. Mm-hmm. So what have we got next? Oh, let's talk about. Tax tax-efficient medical benefits. So one of the ways that we see this plan being used by businesses or strategies to do this would be to set up a private health services plan. So essentially under one of these plans, the business gets the deduction and the individuals who benefit from these medical payments do not have a taxable benefit. So it's a win-win on both sides. However, recently, CRA has come out with a caution that there are some of these businesses that are inappropriately deducting amounts with respect to a health spending account being a variety of a private health services plan. So what's the problem here? Well, they say, okay, look at a sole proprietor, so not an incorporated business. If you have a sole proprietor that has set up one of these health spending accounts and they don't have any other employees, we don't think you can claim the deduction. Why? In order to have a private health services plan, whereby you can claim the deduction, there needs to be some type of element of risk or an insurance. And if you're only paying for your own expenses, then there is no element of risk, there is no insurance, your HSA is not a PHSP, you're not getting the deduction. So heads up there, CRA is seeing some of these types of strategies being marketed a little bit more frequently, and they are concerned about it. Kate, I know when I see that in one of CRA's regular tax tips, yeah. the first thing I think of is, if 
they're noticing it and they're telling us they're noticing yeah. it, they're coming looking for it. Yeah. Yeah. So if you are dealing with one of these HSAs, you may want to have a look at Siri's website and see, do I meet their requirements? Can I shore it up to better meet their requirements yeah, before they come to call? Well, mm -hmm. we did have a recent comment from Siri. The uh, question posed to them from an employer was, if I give my employees an allowance or a reimbursement to deal with their clothing that they have to wear on the job, mm -hmm. well, I assume they're not just talking about, yes, you ha can't come to work naked. There's got to be something beyond that. Clothing is is generally a personal expense, but CRA says, well, there's two cases where you got an argument for this. Do you have to wear a special distinctive uniform? Something you wouldn't wear generally on your own time. Nobody would. This is only useful in the business. Like a hot dog costume. Sure, there we go. <laughs> no, Joe, you'd wear that. You buy your own. <laughs> or are you absolutely required? This is a safety issue not a clothing issue, mm -hmm. to wear protective clothing on the work site. So I could see that including things like those jumpers that have fluorescent mm -hmm. coloring because you're out on the middle of the highway. Steel-toed boots. Steel yep. boots, yeah, yeah. Safety, Helmets, yeah. safety equipment. And, uh, you know, maybe you would wear your steel-toed boots. I always seem to be right behind the guy going through airport security wearing steel-toed <laughs> boots. So. You just get in the wrong line. <laughs> but as long as I need it for work, yeah, the employer could reimburse that. What CRA did note was it's not good enough that there's increased wear and tear to get mm -hmm. your reimbursement. It's got to be special types of clothing. Yeah. All right. So the next item to talk about here is uh, some administrative updates from CRA. So Hugh and I were at a round table in Alberta recently with CRA, and they gave us a bunch of interesting facts and figures. So I just want to mention a couple of them to you. Uh, first of all, CRA has the ability to do IVI testing and assessing. What the heck is IVI? That's Indirect Verification of Income, where basically they say, listen, you look a lot more rich than you're showing on your tax return. So they poke around a little bit to see if, yes, there's some hidden funds there. Then they'll do more robust techniques and actually assess you with unreported income. Well, CRA has said that they are, in 36% of audits of medium to small size businesses, they're using the exploratory techniques. And uh, in 20% of cases, they're actually using the full amount, or they're, they're doing the full assessment. So beyond just the smell test. Just be, beyond the smell test there. So we have to know that there's a high potential of this happening, and it can feel a little bit intrusive because they do ask for a number of things, bank statements, credit card records, they ask you questions, you know, what's this $20 expense? So, you know, it could be intense, mm -hmm. but now you know it's, it's a fairly common thing. Mm -hmm. Katie, Q, anything on that? No? Yeah. Okay. I wish I could have been at that meeting, but I was on vacation. <laughs> Good for you. Let me just mention a couple other things that came out of it as well. Uh, CRA has been doing something called limited reviews of corporate tax return, whereby they take a look at a, a line item, like for example, they'll look at travel expenses or professional fees, and they'll just audit a whole bunch or review a whole bunch of corporations' expenditures in respect of that line. Are you eligible for it or not? Are there problems? And uh, the question is, how's it going? Are you actually reassessing? Are you getting bang for your buck? And the answer was yes. In 40% of cases, they are getting additional assessments. So you can expect these to continue mm -hmm. on into the future. Mm -hmm. uh, a number of other things included. For example, uh, if you're eligible for the disability tax credit, uh, don't forget that you can actually send the form into the CRA in advance. You don't have to send it in with your personal tax return. So, you know, you can be doing that today if you mm -hmm. wanted. So, anyways, I think that's all I was going to mention. Unless and that KB... does, Joel, make it quicker to get mm -hmm. assessed because mm -hmm. they've already verified it as well. Often those forms say 
this person's been disabled for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. So I want to go back and claim it on those prior years. Why am I waiting? That's right. Jump in there. Jump in there. Okay, so where are we at now? Yeah, we're just going to switch gears a bit. Uh, talk about an issue that we get questions on all the time. Think about the example where maybe an individual, I use a credit card to make my personal purchases. When I use those cards, I, you know, accrue type of benefits, bonuses, rebates. So I have an option when I get those benefits. I can use those benefits personally, or perhaps I can direct that those rebates, those points, those whatever, get donated to a charitable organization. So the question is, or a registered char charity, so the question is, can I get a tax credit for the value of those items that I'm donating essentially to the registered charity? What if I'm a corporation and I'm doing the same thing? Can I get a tax deduction on my corporate return. And CRA said, well, it's a question of fact. You really got to dig into the type of program, the type of credit card loyalty program that you're looking at, and look at the legal relationship. Did you, the individual, the donor of those points, were you the legal owner of those points prior to gifting them to the registered charity? If so, you probably have a pretty good chance. If not, sorry, good try, you don't get the credit, you don't get the deduction. So a little bit of guidance there, but you still got to dig into the individual plan that we're working with here. All right. And let's continue on. Well, okay, what I found interesting about uh, the charities recently was CRA saying, we're going to have some special courses, Q&A, yeah. some mm -hmm. online well, yeah, stuff. Like, yeah. So for anybody out there that's a director of a charity, maybe you want to send some of your charity employees. I wonder if a question that in-depth is probably not likely to be discussed, mm -hmm. but you get a lot of information on basic receipting requirements, and there's no question CRA looks at whether the charities are following these rules, so it's important. One, one, one final thing I just wanted to mention too, if you are having trouble with a, uh, a CRA agent or an auditor, don't forget you do have the ability to speak to their superior if you'd like to. Right 9 on the Taxpayer Bill of Rights gives you that. That's all we have time for. Have a good one. The Video Tax News team has been providing Canadian professionals with practical tax information for over 30 years. Subscribe to one of our tax newsletters or join us as we present live and online seminars relating to both personal and corporate tax. For more details, visit www.videotax.com. That's V-I-D-E-O-T-A-X.com. The preceding information is for general informational purposes only and deals with dynamic, time-sensitive, and complex matters that may not apply to particular facts and circumstances. Information provided should not be relied upon as a substitute for specialized professional advice in connection with any particular matter. For more details, see videotax.com slash disclaimer. Copyright Video Tax News, Inc. 2019. All rights reserved.